Welcome to Backroom Talk. We have uh, Brandon Wilton here from uh, all the way from CrossFit South Bend in Indiana. Uh, we're CrossFit Gym, hybrid model. Um, I started doing CrossFit in 2007, affiliated in 08. OPEX had spurred me and it, it, what it does is it makes you notice a lot of the things going on in your own business. And there's the marketing message, so, right? Like constantly having to, can you curse on this podcast? You go uh, for it. Unfuck a lot of things. To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. All right. Well, hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. We are joined by a very special guest today. We have uh, Brandon Milton here from uh, all the way from CrossFit South Bend in Indiana. And uh, what are you doing here at headquarters, Brandon? Oh, what did James say? To experience that which can only be experienced in person in fitness, right? Yeah, it sounds cryptic, right? So to, I'm just to, try, I'm trying to picture that. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? We're finding out right now. <laughs> We're finding out right now. Just to just to learn, just to learn, ask questions, experience, see what's going on at OPEX, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly awesome to have you around. Uh, we also have a couple CCP coaches, Carrie and Clay Leah, here with us as well. So, uh, yeah, just great to have a little bit of in-person connection, and we're definitely taking advantage of that, sitting down, learning a little bit about you and your story today. So, uh, thanks for being with us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, and I'm a massive massive notre dame fan so your guys's shirts um is it like train like yeah. a champion today yeah. or is that what it's yeah asking? that's the one yeah i was actually gonna ask you to bring me one of those and i totally forgot oh so, shoot i'll send you one over yes yeah, i mean one of those over, man i got I'm a huge you. huge notre dame fan so as soon as i figured out that you were from south bend which i don't know if there's i didn't think there was anything else in south bend except for notre dame and there's a lot and of obviously people. your gym <laughs> that's it yeah those two things are the <laughs> but only no thing. it's cool yeah yeah those uh i saw those shirts um we were looking at your website last week and i was like oh those are sweet i got you those are awesome there we go yeah. um tell us a little bit about your gym what is it how long has it been in operation just give us a background yeah. um we're crossfit gym hybrid model um i started doing crossfit in 2007 affiliated in 08 and opened a brick and mortar in 2009 we've got 11 of us including me four full-time staff and uh, the rest are part-time staff. And then we have uh, two other individual designer OPEX coaches. One's finishing up right now. My partner, my business partner, uh, Carl, is going through. And then Robbie, fitness and philosophy. Check it out. You know. A little <laughs> yeah. pump for those guys. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's um, a little about that. We've got a little over 150 people. So, yeah. What's, what? uh, what's hybrid? Ooh, hybrid. So, I would consider it to be remote coaching. Okay. So essentially, we don't have a floor coach. Um, you know, I we do have a, it's Notre Dame area, so do have a lot of students that bounce out, go to Chicago, go to New York. So we'll program for them and, and service them remotely. And then uh, outside of that, I would consider the rest of them training inside because there's no floor coach. So I'd consider that to be remote. So that and then we have CrossFit in our group. So, so. like typical um, or classic, what most people would understand is like a typical group model. You have a coach coaching. Um, clients in that group atmosphere and then you're calling it hybrid because there's individual design happening but you're you're saying it's remote because there's not a floor coach so like people can still use your gym that are individual design clients but you don't have like a service dedicated to that yeah yeah it's it's yeah this essentially they have access okay to the gym as they're going yeah 
Cool. Just want to make sure everyone understood what hybrid mm-hmm. meant. Yeah, definitely. Because there's a there's a bunch of different. You hear that term thrown out yeah. a lot, and it's like hybrid, and then there's there's like uh, you know different service offerings happening inside of it. So I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page in yeah. terms of what what you guys are doing there. Yeah. So that's what we're up to. Was uh, opening the gym your first foray into coaching in the fitness industry, or did you have any background before that? Yeah, that was my first foray. Yeah. Yeah, right into it. So I was a, I managed a restaurant for 10 years, uh, was a firefighter at the time, and then started that in, uh, you know, like I said, in 2007, 2008, 2009, and then started because I just, it's everyone's, you know, story that they can relate to, like, hey, here's Fran, cool, let's do it. Yep. You know, you jump in and then, uh, you know, move on from there. What's the biggest difference between Brandon as a gym owner back when you started and then Brandon as a gym owner today? Oh God, experience. So much, so many mistakes, hundreds and thousands of mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So the difference between me then, I just enjoyed fitness. I enjoyed, there was something there, but I couldn't put my finger on it, right? Now I've, I, I understand it a little bit more. I understand what my mission is and purpose and just everything, you know, behind it. I've done a lot of reflecting over the last five years. And I think I can owe a lot of that to OPEX is just, why am I doing this? What is this happening here? So what, what is that? What is that for you? Like, what is that mission and purpose? And like, what are you, what are you talking to your staff about? What are you talking to your members about and, and why you guys are doing what you're doing? Oh gosh. Yeah. So we want to help guide people, you know, guide people to their ideal version of fitness. And I know there's like this, uh, there's a marketing message there that's mm-hmm. different. That's hard with CrossFit because people come in through CrossFit and you've got, um, you know, a lot of mixed messages on what their preconceived notion of fitness is. So, um, I would say that that's like, we're at a, this divergent point yeah. right now where there's like me, my mission and what I want to serve and how I want to serve clients. Um, you know, to walk alongside, to guide people to their, you know, ideal version of fitness, live a larger life through fitness, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's, you know, the group model where it's, you know, people who have a high priority on social interaction and that kind of stuff. Um, so we're, we're, we're just in the, we're having a lot of conversations about yeah. that back and forth right now. Yeah. I'd imagine how, how are you guys? Cause with, uh, with the changes in CrossFit leadership about a year ago now, and that mission changing from CrossFit and becoming to a lot of people more clear in what CrossFit is and what they're trying to do. How do you take, and I don't even know if you're thinking about what CrossFit's mission is, but you're using a lot of OPEX language and you're not an OPEX gym, right? Like you're, you're a CrossFit affiliate and you have this hybrid thing. So you're doing this CrossFit thing. You're doing a little bit of this OPEX thing. How do you, you guys wrap your brains around connecting to CrossFit versus connecting to OPEX or melding those things together? Have you guys found, found that quite yet? Or are you still trying to figure that out through those conversations? Just tons of conversations. I'll, we'll sit there on a Sunday and I'll get a question from somebody in, in a group class and say, well, you know, here's, let's, let's, who wants to sit and talk about this? Yeah. And we'll talk to a group of, you know, 15 people in a class and say, you know, you're all getting a different dose response. You're all getting this. Here's the pros. Here's the cons. You know, mm-hmm. here's, here's where this falls short. If you just want social interaction and you want to move around a little bit and here's some principle base, but here's how this workout can fall short. Yeah. And then I just lay it out and people are like, oh, oh, that's, well, they either want that because social is more important than them for, or they, they're like, oh, I'm interested in what you're doing here with OPEX individual design. Yeah. And then they make that gap. Does that, um, and forgive me because I don't know the exact uh, purpose of CrossFit and what, what they changed last year with, with uh, Eric coming on, but do you connect with whatever that is or 
what you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. is your message aligned with what CrossFit is when when you sit those group members down and you're like, hey, you know, there's a grip, a different dose response. There's this, there's that. Is that message aligned with CrossFit or is that just Brandon and and uh, South Bend? That's Brandon and South Bend. Okay. I honestly. I can't remember the last time we even had anyone reach out to us. I think in 13 years, one time someone mm-hmm. reached out to us from like HQ and that's it. That's, that's the disconnect right there. Um, I couldn't even tell you how their missions changed. Yeah. The only way I can tell is through how people are perceiving it when they come in, right? Yeah. When CrossFit games and the rest of this stuff was super huge, we'd be getting a bunch of people in and I had to field people um, that are like, I want to go to the games. Right. Yeah. So like I just, how people are perceiving it coming in. That's that's how I know how their message is. Right? I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about that because it's been a long while since I've been in a CrossFit gym. It's been a long while for Carl as well. Uh, so what is the changing perception from the end consumer when it comes to looking, you know, looking for a CrossFit gym and reaching out to you guys? I still think there's this like lingering notion of like CrossFit high intensity. It's, it's I would say it's old hat now. Um, I think... And James would say, you know, you, you're responsible for the people that are in front of you, right? Like you, these people are in front of you because of the message we're putting out. And I think, um, you know, we use, you know, look better, feel better, perform better. But, you know, we change that language as we kind of get into it. But um, I think people are coming in with just general fitness goals. And then I try and say, like, we have a conversation with everyone as they come in. Like, is this right for you? Here's, here's this other option that's probably more than likely going to be better for you in the long run. So we always offer this up back and forth. But to answer your question, um, the the preconceived notions that people are coming in, I think they still have these lingering, like, ooh, high intensity, this, um, you know, do, you know, Murph hero workouts every week. There's a few people that still are left over from that, but not as much anymore these days. It's a yeah. good opportunity for you guys to educate those people, though, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's challenging, man. Like, I don't know the exact number. I think it has to be upwards of 13,000 affiliates that CrossFit has at this at this point. It's challenging to have a conversation with each one of those affiliates. So I think it'd be unfair if we're like, oh, why aren't they reaching out to Brandon every year and having conversations and stuff like that? So I just want to make it super clear, like we're not putting them down for not doing those things because I think that would be challenging. Um, but the people that are coming in and they have these 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 preconceived notions it is probably because they've, you know, they've known someone that's done CrossFit before or they, they're they watching the CrossFit games and it gives you guys a really good opportunity to dig a little bit deeper with those people. And that's beneficial that those things put them on your, you know, doorstep per se. Um, but I, I do think that's a good opportunity to educate those people and let those people know like, hey, this is what we believe here. Um, you know, this is why it's the same or different than, than what those preconceived notions are. Yeah, that's definitely something we have to differentiate. Is it like, here's how we write a program. Here's what this looks like. Don't expect that it's completely different each week. It's going to be this. I've got an avatar. I'm very transparent about it. And here's what's going to happen week by week. And I shoot a video for my clients each week to say like, here's what's happening. If you know, and here's the, here's the pros and cons of that. Mm -hmm. We're squatting on this day and this day. Yeah. You know, so that's cool. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, let, let me, let's jump right here. Where, where do you, is, is what you're doing ideal for you guys? Like, are you going to be doing the same thing in three years, five years? Like, are you going down this path of like, we're going to keep leaning into this thing? Or are you, are you guys going to make some shifts? And I only ask this question because yeah. I think there's a lot of people listening that are in your exact situation where yeah. they're in like this hybrid model and they're trying to figure out, do I want to stay the path here? Do I want to go one way or the other? Um, 
and you know, I think everyone needs to make whatever decisions right for them. Uh, so I don't want to like steer someone into that, but just where are you guys? Like, what are you guys going to be doing in the next three to five years? If, if you guys have, I'm sure you've thought about those things, but what does that look like for you? Man, that's a really good question. So OPEX had spurred me and it, it, what it does is it makes you notice a lot of the things going on in your own business and how it kind of falls short and what your ideal version, like of making a living looks like mm-hmm. too, right? And making a living and being able to afford things for your coaches and give offering them a security. So um, I don't do anything without, I'm very safe, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to switch to an OPEX gym if I didn't have enough facility and staff to do that Mm -hmm. so my coaches are being trained up i went through the business accelerator like why would i jump into an opex gym unless i knew 100 percent exactly everything had sops written out Mm -hmm. turnkey everything of course there's there's always going to be some lay over the top but um i believe i believe in that model and i'm positioning myself in that direction and now i'm personally at this crossroads of saying you know, is this something that I want as a gym? Do I, do I want to do this? Is there a place in philosophically for social interaction in group classes? Um, and what does that look like? Or, or is this where I want to go? So a lot of it, just me diving in and experiencing here, you know, experiencing the accelerator. I'm working with Sam Smith right now Mm -hmm. and just like constantly learning and just asking myself those questions. And then once I'm, I'm sure of it, then picking that lane, you know, what, what are the, uh, what are the cons? of that, like in, in your own head when you're like, do I want to make this shift to completely individual design? Cause I know that you and Melissa walk through, you know, the, the course, the course content, what, what you got, what you guys are experiencing there and all that. When you, I'm sure you've reflected on that, you know, going through that process and, and even up until today where you're like, if I made that shifts, what are the, what are, if I made that shift, what are the negative things that would come from going from this hybrid model to completely individual design? Like what are the things that are holding you back or you're like, uh, I'm a little bit too safe to make that decision right now. Yeah. So, I mean, when you build something over 13 years, there's always that fear of like, oh gosh, like start, you <laughs> almost like where you're, where you're starting over. How can I do this in a most calculated way so that there is, you know, build up each client base and then, you know, hit that switch. So there's that fear. I think that is a, I don't know if it's a con or otherwise, but, um, you know, just, just the upfront work and that you're willing to do the upfront work that you're willing to, um, you know, if you have part-time employees, I do have a lot of part-time employees. They're fantastic. Um, I have, you know, a great staff, fantastic, but I may not need all of those people or maybe they're floor coaching and what happens there. Right. So like making those hard decisions as a business owner, um, that is most of it. I wouldn't say again, it's a con, but like yeah. you have a lot of hard decisions to make. If you want to start over with a new business model, relearn things. I think you've been doing it. For, if you've been doing it for a while, you get comfortable in your, uh, you know, your own cadence there and what you're doing. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's definitely, I would say fears, maybe, maybe not yeah. cons. Um, is it, you know, understanding and like, you know, the target market in your area, is this, is there enough to sustain mm-hmm. this? Right. People don't know about OPEX as much. So is this like, how is this going to work? I think those are some of the other things, you know, can, is there enough target market in this area? Yeah. You know? Yeah. On, yeah. on the flip side, what are the cons of the current model you're in, uh, where you are running this kind of hybrid situation with group and with, uh, with, you know, remote ID clients as well. Like, are there any cons to that that you're experiencing? Yeah, there's cons on a, you know, on a coach level, on a business level. You know, it divides my time and thought 
you know, when I'm doing a lot of that stuff in just different, different things, there's the marketing message. So, right. Like constantly having to, can you curse on this podcast? You go uh, for it. Unfuck a lot of things as people start to come in and then you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, having to rewire people and in a group model, you don't get as much conversation. Right. And, uh, then it's, it's even harder to undo that right so you're just bringing people in and you're like hey this isn't right and they're like i don't care you know so i think that's that's a really hard thing to uh to deal with in that and i think a lot of people get into the stratified model of having a bunch of things and, and if anything just simplifying it always feels like a better pro for me this is it this is the one service you know we do really really good job at this one service so yeah, did that answer your question? It definitely did. I yeah. think th there's trade-offs to every single situation that you could find yourself in, right? And yeah. uh, obviously the one you're in right now where you do have this group class and this individual design going on at the same time, that has been born out of, you know, past experiences and, you know, where you started the business and, you know, the education you've been through. And there's parts that are positive to all of those things. Like I think uh, it would be crazy to say that there aren't, you know, positives to a group fitness model. Um, like you said, the social interaction piece is so key. So uh, yeah, I think it's whatever way you decide to go, Brandon, like there's always, you're always going to lose something. We cannot have everything yeah. in this world, um, but we can certainly have anything and like really lean into that one thing and do it super well. So uh, yeah, I just think it's, an, it's interesting to hear your reflections on it for sure. Yeah, if you're saying that you've got professional fitness coaches and it's not half of your staff's profession or otherwise, that's a struggle. That's, that's something that, that sits with me and I'm like, well, that, can I say that? You know, what does this look like? What kind of a business do I want to run and, and what do I want it to give back to me and what do I want to serve to the community? How am I going to make a greater impact? Yeah, there's a lot of questions in there. So, yeah, that, that, that piece of like believing it first is uh, is extremely important, right? And it's like, you know, it's so hard to say, you know, this this, you know, model is, is ideal or this model is perfect. It, it's all about what the, the person that's delivering those models or that model really, really believes. Cause if you're like, if you sat here and you're like, oh man, like, you know, this individual design thing is shitty. Like I hate doing it, but it brings it. It's a good revenue stream. I'm stratifying my business model, but you're like, I fucking, I, I love group fitness. That's what I really love. Right. Like, or if you said it the other way, where you're like, this yeah. group thing is shitty, but I don't want to lose members, blah, blah, blah. That's the only reason I'm keeping it. People are just going to smell that. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, Brandon and, and, and these guys, are they're doing this thing just to earn a buck, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't actually believe in what they're doing. Yeah. So I think that's where it starts for a lot of gym owners. And gosh, the questions that we get all the time, man, like the questions that we're asking you, those are some of the questions we get a lot. And it's like, what should I do? And it's like, what do you want to do? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. How are we supposed to tell you what you should do based on our beliefs? It was like that that's not giving that's not that's not moving the needle at all for you. So it's like, what do you actually want to do? And that's why I asked you the question of like, are you gonna be doing the same thing you're doing in three to five years and all that? Because I think a lot can be sussed out just thinking about, you know, what it is that you want to do and where you want this thing to go. So I think just people listening to like what you're doing and what you've done and the things that you're learning. Um, they can learn a lot from that, you know, and it's like, you know, it doesn't have to, once you feel a certain way, you don't have to like shift right now where it's like, I need to completely turn everything upside down. Like safety mm -hmm. has to be something that everyone thinks about financial safety mm -hmm. in someone's business has to be something that, that people think about. We've seen it go the wrong way where people are like this group thing, like I'm out, I'm, I'm flipping it. 
tomorrow yeah. and they lose 90% of their members, right? Oh, and like yeah. we've seen it the other way where they've, they've held on to 90%, but there's nothing worse than someone making that bad decision and putting themselves back 5, 10, 13 years yeah. of work that they've done, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely an over planner. I'm I definitely have security as like a really high priority and just worrying about my, you know, my, my full time staff. Like I can't just, hey, we're flipping it. Well, they aren't OPEX. They don't, they're not on board. How about they go through it? How about they experience it? Now everyone's on board. Now we've got the same message, right? And then I can, then we can shift, shift in that direction a bit more. But yeah, that's a, that's a huge one for me um, is making sure everyone has has security and making sure that it's it's you know viable and sustainable feasible yeah all that stuff just has to be just has to be led with uh you know what you call the purpose where it's yeah. like what is what what is the purpose and the mission of this gym you yeah. know what i mean like that has to be the leading guiding force right that might to get to that purpose or to get to that mission might be an endeavor that you're always moving toward and you're never actually capturing but that has to be the thing that's guiding it right because if you say like your mission is um, or your purpose was like the ideal version of fitness thing. Um, if I was your staff, I'd be like, okay, Brandon, well, what is an ideal version of fitness? And I'm not asking that I'm not putting yeah, you on the spot yeah, right yeah. here, but if I was your staff, I would ask you that. And you know, if you're like, this is exactly what it looks like. This is what a relationship looks like. This is what a training session looks like. They, even if they agree with it or not, they, they now have context They're like, okay, that's what we're moving toward. But if it's that situation of like, Oh, we might go this way. We might go that way. Let's feel it out. Let's do this. Everyone's just going to get strung along. And then eventually they're going to be like, I don't know what the hell is going on here. I'm going to go figure something else out because I don't feel safe here because I have no idea what direction this thing uh-huh. is going. So yeah, no question there. Just wanted to, yeah. to, to point out, like, I do think that it has to, the, that purpose and mission does have to be clear so people can get on board with it or not. And if they don't get on board with it, it's like, yeah, this isn't the, this isn't the business for me. Yeah, definitely a lot of conversations around that purpose and and uh you know i mean a lot of my coaches have been from that crossfit model and then i switch and i learn and i do a lot of those things so you, i need to have a lot of communication explanation and yeah. i mean it helps to go through to go through the stuff as well too but um gotta have a lot of conversations to get people on board with it and if they're not they're not and that's okay but yeah now that's interesting what what advice would you give uh, a coach that's listening that's that's kind of in that spot that i imagine you were in a few years ago where you're like man, I want to do something a little bit different, but I don't know what it is that I want to do. Like what, what advice, like how can a coach figure out what their purpose and what their mission is and, and what they're put on this earth to do? Oh yeah. I know oh, that's a huge question. No, a lot of, a lot of, exp- I think it's a lot of experience and then a lot of reflecting. I think OPEX, like, like I said, I can owe a lot of it to a lot of self-reflection to me and then, well, let's just try this. Yeah. Now reflect on it. Now let's just try this. Now reflect on it. And just, just constantly going through this back and back and back. And I think it comes with age as well, too, and being in, in there. You know, I mean, you're not going to get in fitness for your first year and be like, I, or maybe you do. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I didn't. That's for sure. It's yeah, yeah. taken me a lot of years. But, yeah, a lot of experience and then a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. We, uh, we chatted about gym culture a couple weeks ago, uh, more from the perspective of the individual coach that's inside of a gym. But I'd love to hear a little bit from you, Brandon, as the leader of a team, um, the owner of the gym, some of the ways, uh, especially amongst your team and amongst your group of coaches, how do you help them create you know, great gym culture? What are some of the things you're doing to create synergy and consistency between the team uh, to make sure you don't have all these disparate ideas that are disconnected and disillusioned? And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What do you do on your end? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, 
we've done a lot of mentorship in the past, a lot of mentorship to learn to see, you know, where, like, do we have a solid foundation and structure? Is it, do we have systems? Do we have a handbook? Do we have managing expectations with a coach? I think it starts with a lot of that stuff, understanding they need to understand uh, what, what they expect of us and we expect of them and so on and so forth. Um, but outside of that, with, with the culture, I would say that James is, you know, he, he spoke the other day about tech talk and tactics, right? I'm really good with tech. I'm really good with tactics. And then talk is something that I'm working on, working on a lot. Like what does being a good leader mean? That was a question I had for, for Carl and James as well this mm -hmm. week is what does that mean? What does it look like to lead a team really well? And it takes time and effort, communication and making sure that we're all on board. And do you have any questions? And then explaining it and, you know, uh, you know, leading with conviction and stuff like that. Did I answer your question? That was, I kind of went on a little, little rant there for just no. a second. Cause that's kind of where I'm at right now. We had conversations with our staff about like being a better leader and what does that mean? Well, how can I help you? You know? Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. What, um, what let's you're here this week to you're, you're shooting some, some cool education yeah. for us. Um, you're doing you're doing a lot of different types of things and sometimes we'll see your stuff as a staff and we'll like share it across like slack or something and one question i always ask george i'm like how the hell does a guy have the time to put this shit together like your your funny little like memes and stuff yeah. like that um but you're 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 going to you're going to discuss um efficiencies yep. and how to be efficient um what are what are your what are your top x amount of things i don't want to like put a number on this, but what are your top tips in, uh, in creating, uh, an efficient workflow? Like what are some things that, that you do in your own life or in terms of like, you know, putting the, the gym pieces together, the stuff that you do on the side? Um, I'm sure you coach a bunch of people as well. Like how do you, how do you, how do you do that efficiently? Oh, set, <laughs> yeah. Set structure, structure, and then honor that. If it's a priority, you'll probably get it done right. And if you're not, there's some friction there that you got to look at. But, you know, learning how to use systems, learning how to create systems, uh, learning how to reflect on your system to improve it again and again. Um, you know, as far as workflow, getting things done, uh, making sure that you're even getting the right things done, you need to understand, like, where you want to go. What does your perfect day look like? What do you want out of all of this? You need to know that and then you can audit where you're at. What do you do in your day-to-day? -day? Okay, let's reverse engineer that. Okay, let's break it down. Now let's organize it and prioritize it. Okay, what needs to be done where? And of course you revisit it and it takes a lot of time to make it your own process, you know? Um, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to really learn how to use structure and systems and then understand where you're at on the map as, yeah. you're, as you're going through, yeah. I know you're going to be, we're working on this uh, class that'll be released later in the year. Uh, so there's a lot of really, really great, like practical, tangible, hands-on ways that coaches can implement structure and improve systems that you're going to be sharing with that brand. And I would love to know, um, as a gym owner, you often hear this kind of like cliche that gym owners should be working on the business versus in the business. When it comes to like your, your time and your day, like what is that like? Are you in the gym coaching like in the business all the time or are you dedicating time now to work you know more on the business and uh work bigger picture and strategy 
Yeah, like you've said before, there's seasons, right? You yeah. teach for and then learn. And when I first started quite for quite a few years, you know, same gym owner, like working three jobs, doing that stuff. I didn't have time to do anything except work in the business. And then it's trickled over time where I'm like, well, we should probably learn a little bit more and then upgrade, 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 upgrade over time. And now it's structured. I, you know, I have the luxury. I think sometimes people see my schedule. They see like I'm, it's very regimented and I've got everything kind of like, you know, on, and I make time for memes as well, too. But You sure do. Because yeah, <laughs> I enjoy it, but I have that luxury now, and I've built that over a lot of lot of time and understanding. But, um, you know, I wake up, and I just the way my brain works, I answer all of my messages. I get those out of the way, and then I design program because that's the best time of the day for me to do it when I'm fresh. Um, and then we'll have meetings depending on the day as well, too, with, with either uh, my T, uh, CFO, Carl, Carl Case out there um and then we're on my full-time staff um and then i'll i'll you know robbie fitness and philosophy is going through ccp as well too um we'll do some teaching there so we go over and we just talk about clients and stuff like that i may do some coaching like here and there but other than that just the rest of it's kind of ceo tasks and and stuff like that you know with mentorship with sam i just create a lot of structure around learning there so what uh what are you most excited to teach people Oh. In, inside of that like what's like the the thing you're like just like you're 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 uh is it biting at the bit is that the is that chomping the at the bit chomping at yeah the bit. like what are you chomping at yeah. the bit to be like i i want to i want to put this out there because no one else is saying it like oh, what are you excited on social media no 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 for your for this efficiencies thing just talking about like structuring your day and, and all of that like what are you excited to teach inside of that oh gosh yeah i guess it just comes down to like the the zooming out of yeah. everything just do you know where you want to go and do you know where you're starting relative to that? And then how do you break tasks down? How do you use tools to your advantage? Just, just the, I, I, the zooming out is, is the big, big part. I think that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. In in your business, are you the visionary or are you, are you the, the integrator? Are you, are you the person at the top, like saying, Hey, I want to do these things. And one of your other uh, guys are figuring out how to do it. Or are you, are you, are you the, the integrator, the, the person that's putting the, the, the pieces in, into place? I'm a little bit of both. I'm probably mostly integrator. Well, okay. it's, yeah, uh, I have a lot of, you know, visionaries that will bring me ideas and then I'm probably the most, mostly the integrator on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that question. Cause you, you, it's, it's very rare to find someone that's good at both of those things. Yeah. Like being able to like take a step back and, and really look at everything that you're doing. Uh, from an outsider's point of view and then like flip the switch the next day and be the person that's now inside of that thing and figuring out like how to process this thing one two and three and push it out to your team and all that so I think that's always an interesting um, I think that's always an interesting conversation with with someone that's running a a, a sizable operation where it's like how, how are you doing this um, and you have partners right like what what role do your partners play because I, I you just called Carl the CFO so I'm I'm like, okay, so he's handling all the financials mm-hmm. and all of that. You're the CEO. So I'm like, okay, are you the visionary? Uh, like what, what are your, what role do your partners play in the business? Yeah. So Carl's the only, only partner that I have okay. and he's the CFO and he handles a lot of the, a lot of the tax, a lot of the uh, financial stuff. I hate that stuff. That's probably the <laughs> only thing in business that I just don't like. It's the most important stuff, right? Uh, well, See, I don't mind. Like, I'll know the numbers, but I don't want to get in the spreadsheets and knock them around. Yeah. You know, I don't like that stuff. Um, 
and we just challenge each other a lot in the day-to-day stuff that's honestly i think it's a mutual role when it comes to a lot of that stuff we have our meeting we've got all these actionable items and like we both mutually will kind of visionary and steer and have conversations and hard conversations about things and um you know uh my full-time staff as well too we all we've had a lot of arguments over the years which is constructive arguments Mm -hmm. right it's it's uh i really thank them for that yeah yeah so I i feel like we all have had a lot of part to play in the visionary part of it yeah so carl's doing the financial stuff and you're doing everything else yeah yeah right like what (laughs) what other things uh you know he runs uh sports performance camps stuff like that he um he coaches the sports performance people um he does uh a lot all the merchandise and a lot of the other things i would say is parted out as well too um and yeah i mean i've tried to think of like what else is there there's floor coaching we have all of our coaches that manage that um I manage a lot of the, uh, I mean, everything to do with individual design is, is, you know, solely me in there. And then we have the day-to-day business operations as well, too. I would say that I'm kind of the, the zoom out, where's the business going and yeah. what's going in. And then, of course, like, you know, the conversations with him on, like, you know, challenge me, yeah. you know. So, yeah. Got it. As someone who manages a sizable team of coaches and, you know, you probably had people come and go over the years as well. Some people make it as a coach. Some people just don't. They burn out. What would you say is like the biggest mistake that coaches you've seen make when it comes to being efficient and finding time to prioritize what they say their priorities are? Oh, gosh. Just not not prioritizing what yeah. they say. Yeah, that's 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 essentially what it is, right? Like they say that this is important, but their actions aren't aligned with that. That's that's the biggest thing. So just making them aware of making them aware with you know due to a time study. Give me 2 weeks everything that you do morning to night. Now let's look at that. You know, um so yeah, I would say that's that's a big one. Just either that or just, you know, I have young coaches that I've talked to who just they just aren't even sure what's out there. They're not even they're too young not experienced enough or what have you to like even know what what direction they want to go um and i think it it all comes back to that right how are you spending your time and then you know where are you going yeah it's no different to working with people on their fitness right and Mm -hmm. uh helping clients find time to exercise and cook healthy food and get a walk in the sun uh inside their day like comes down to prioritization and looking at where are you currently spending your time and uh you know what of that is dead time that we can shift to what you're saying your priorities are yeah yeah, and making concessions, I'm sure there's a lot of distractions, right? There's a lot of things that like, oh, I should be doing this, you know, FOMO. Yeah. And admit, fear of missing out on, on everything, but just understanding how to like cut through that. And again, knowing where you want to go helps you kind of, you know, carve that stuff out. Yeah. So, so Brandon, you have a family, you mm-hmm. have coaches underneath you, some part-time, some full-time. I know a question I get a lot, especially like chatting to coaches on the phone who were looking for some career advice and trying to figure out where they want to go is can someone actually make a sustainable career in fitness? Because not a lot of people do. Like of the people that enter the industry, it's a small proportion of them that are still in the industry 20 years later, right? A lot of people, they're passionate about fitness. They love this thing. They want to share it with other people. They get in, you know, get their feet wet for a couple of years and then they burn out the other side as a trainer. Uh, So what is your perspective on that and uh, creating a you know career that can pay for having a family and the things that you want in life? Like, is that realistic for everyone? No, not at all. Yeah, right. It's like open gym equals dollar signs, right? That's what that's what they see. That's as simple as it is, right? 
or, um, you know, we've actually had, I think like five gyms open up like out of ours. And I've had conversations with a lot of them on why they want to open up a gym and, and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you can suss out like, this is the wrong reason. This isn't going to work out that well. And it usually doesn't, you know, if you're, if you're doing it as a money maker or you're, you don't have like a passion in the gym and maybe, I guess maybe it does, but I haven't really seen it, uh, work out that often. Um, but gosh, yeah, I would say, rephrase the question here real quick. Well, what makes some people successful, uh, in creating a career, a sustainable career in fitness and other people not, let's say it like that. Yeah. Doing it for the right reasons possibly. Yeah. Um, you know, they do it because it's a side hustle. They do it because, you know, it's, um, and they, they don't know where this model is going to bring them. I think that's a lot of times that's just misaligned. You know, you're not going to make a, a full-time living as a part-time CrossFit coach. So yeah. yeah, does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. It does. Do you have any thoughts on that too, uh, Carl? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. With questions like that, I always try to like look at what's happening not only in the industry, but what's, what happens in the world, right? Like, so let's say like, let's say it was like owner centric. Cause you mentioned like people go out, they open their own things and most of the time it doesn't work. If we look at small business ownership outside of fitness, it's upwards of 80% of small businesses fail within the first five years. And then 90% of those businesses that succeed fail before the 10 year mark. So we're just throwing fitness inside of there and we're asking that question, but in a different way. So most businesses just fail, right? Like most people aren't good at running businesses. So I think, you know, if, if we, if we're okay with that, we understand that fact, we can say, you know, bakeries, we can say, um, you know, yoga studios, we can say anything. And we're like, yeah, most people aren't going to succeed in that. The, the numbers just, just tell us that. So, um, that's from a gym owner standpoint, but on the, can you create a sustainable career? Not own like, let's say it's just, I'm, I just want to be a coach and I'm going to work for someone, someone else. It's like, man, the things that Brandon were hitting on, on the priorities piece with like, why are you doing it? Where are you spending your time? And what is this thing actually leading to? I think a lot of those, I would venture to guess that a lot of those conversations that you had with those coaches, you may have asked the question like, where is this thing leading? And a very small percentage of those coaches had an answer to that. There's like, I don't know. What do you mean? Where is it leading? I just want to, I want to coach people. I want to be in the fitness industry, but they don't know like, how much money do you want to make next year? How much money do you want to make in three years? Right? Like what's a, what's, what, what does success look like financially to you? And how the hell are you going to get there? How long is it going to take to get there? Cause imagine if Brandon had that conversation with one of those coaches and they were like, I want to make $80,000 a year and it's going to take me five years to get there versus I want to make $80,000 a year. Next year, they're gonna be like, "Shit, I'm not, I'm not successful. I'm not there yet, right?" So it's like that, that taking a step back and thinking about what the hell you want to do and where you want to go and how long is it gonna to take to get there, is what keeps people on track, I think, right? Because you you understand what your goals are and you're realistic in how long it's gonna to take to get to those goals. I remember when I first got into personal training, and I was probably like three or four months in, and I was at, gosh. I was at Bally's Total Fitness and I thought I was going to be making like $6,000 a month. That's what, that's, that was like the number because I knew people that were making that, but they had been doing it for a lot longer than me, of course. And I got a couple months in and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I just made $2,000 this month. This fucking sucks. But then I took a step back and I thought like, okay, how long is it going to take me to get to $6,000 a month, right? Like if I wouldn't have like for some reason just thought that in my own head, how long is it going to take? What is that path? I would have probably just like quit right there. I'm mean, like, this isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't working. I'm failing. You know what I mean? So I think we have to think about those things. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does a, a sustainable career mean? Yeah. Sorry, that was really long, but that's, that's, those are the things that came to my head with like the gym owner piece and then the coach piece. Yeah. I think a lot of new coaches don't really, or at least people wanting to open a facility don't do their due diligence either. Okay. Here's where I want to be. But before I get into it, what parts are involved in all of this and how do I break those down? Like who's going to market, who's going to do this? I think you kind of, it's exciting to get that rush and then you get into the dip of like, oh yeah, there's a lot, like someone has to do the taxes, someone has to do this and then realize how much time for every X amount of hours in your business, you have X amount of hours on your business and they, they forget about the on the business part. Like if I build it, people will show up and then <laughs> great success, right? They don't, they don't understand what's like, what's all involved. You know, but I think pe- I, I think too many people overcomplicate what's involved as well. Okay, you know what I mean. I think uh, I think if we started off with, let's say that, let's say that um, in any business you're like, okay, I want to identify the five things that really matter, not the twenty five things that I think matter, but I want to identify the five things that really matter, and I want to track those things religiously for a year. Right, those people are going to be in a much better spot versus the people that are like, "There's 25 things I need to try to figure out how to track." They never actually do anything because when they look at that list of 25 things, it's super overwhelming. They're trying to like learn how to be like an MBA overnight and stuff. You know what I mean? I think I think that yeah. list in fitness especially is a lot smaller than what a lot of people are telling them that they yeah. need to do. Right? Like, you you read any article and it's like the top. 25 things you need to understand to run a successful business. And it's like, gosh, you don't need to know, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like this person, this coach has six clients right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's focus on five instead of 25. So I think, I think in the industry, it's just overcomplicated a lot of the times because people want to sound smart. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you got to know this. You got to know that. You got to know that. It's like, yeah, maybe in 10 years that would be beneficial. But for where you're at right now, that doesn't fucking matter at all. Yeah, I guess that list has to scale with you and your business, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense that if I'm talking to somebody who's n- like, they just finished CCP and they're ready to coach, I'm like, okay, teach, move, learn, create. Yeah, like, yeah. here you yeah, go, right? It, you start doing this. And then if you've got a business with, you you know, 300 people, maybe maybe that list gets a little longer. Now you have people delegated and prioritized on who should do what. But yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like the systems thing, right? Where it's like, what are the best systems to use in fitness? It's like, what do you need? It's like, do you need a CRM? Do you need automation do you need this do you need that and it's like well it depends on how many people you have in your as a as a contact in your thing whatever that thing is it depends on how many clients you have it's like you don't need to automate everything if you have 16 clients like you could probably start to think about how you're going to system systematize that stuff but i think people need to think about um what their priorities are based on the maturity of their business you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we get ahead of ourselves a little bit sometimes where it's like we're thinking about a really well-established um, system where it's like, okay, when I'm when I'm at, you know, the five-year mark, these are the things that I need to think about. Those, like, people are thinking about the five-year mark now. They're like, I need to put all these things in place. I need to systematize, automate. I need to do all these things. And they're, and they're not even acquiring clients yet, right? 
Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for coaches to think about. It's like, where am I at and, and what do I need in, term of, in terms of uh, systems and automation based on where I'm at right now? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Those other things may be involved, but you kick them down later on the timeline. Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't want to set yourself up to have a total like mess and a shit show five years from now when you do have 300 clients. But the reality is you've got to look after the lowest hanging fruit first, right? And not overlook those pieces for the sake of, uh, you know, the shiniest systems and this thing that might be important when you're at that 300 number. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, a lot of parallels in fitness and, and business with that. Yeah. Definitely there is. What do, you, what do you think, Georgia? What are you uh, – answer your own question. Do you think, uh, do you think um, a coach can wh- – what, what are the biggest reasons why most coaches aren't able to create sustainable, uh, let's call it professions or businesses out of uh, coaching, whatever model it is that they're in? What do you think that problem is? Yeah, I think I would agree with uh, Brandon uh, largely in that they're just not thinking ahead as to what that actually means and figuring out and defining what success would look like to them. I think I said that. Did you say that? And I just credit it to uh, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, Carl. No, I, I definitely, I definitely said You that. said that, right? You were the smart one. <laughs> no, I, um, I think that it's one thing to say I want to be successful and I want to have sustainability and longevity and make 100K, you know, doing this thing, but actually sitting down and really thinking about like, what do I want out of my job? Not just tied to a dollar number, but also thinking about the lifestyle you want to lead and how your job may or may not support that. Um, Because there's, you know, elements of fitness uh, and being a fitness coach that can be really challenging for work-life balance. Um, Some of the hours are weird, uh, which can be tough with having a family and trying to create that balance there. So I think it's figuring out number one, you know, what is that number that I want to make X years from now to support, you know, the things that I want to be able to do in life and have financial security. And number two, how can I make sure I'm doing that in a way that aligns with the lifestyle I want to lead? Because it's one thing to make that 80k number and be working from 6 a.m till 9 p.m and have no time to spend with your husband uh, or you know with your friends it's another thing to be making that you know 80k and work realistic hours I think people evolve as well right like what we love to do when we enter the workforce initially when we first have this idea of like what we want to do in coaching that changes. Um, people naturally want to evolve and grow in their careers and they don't want to do the same thing that they did in year one, in year 10. So it's also thinking about how can I evolve and grow as a coach? And maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe there are some people that want to be in the trenches coaching uh, you know, the same kinds of clients for the rest of their life. But I think a lot of people love new and novel challenges in their, in their careers as well. And it can get monotonous, right? Like coaching can get a little bit monotonous unless you're figuring out new ways to challenge yourself and new ways to grow and, you know, perhaps going into gym ownership or doing some other kind of uh, something else, you know, on on top of it uh, or changing that service offering, uh, going from just exercise to be able to coach nutrition as well. Like there's got to be some kind of growth there. So I think I think long answer is just making sure that you know what success in the future means to you. What What do you guys? Let me ask you guys a question. And let's let's not even think about fitness because I if I were to ask you about names, I don't think that we we could all get on the same page and like and the people listening and understand who the hell the, that you're talking about. So fitness is excluded. Name like a couple people that come to mind when you think of success like this person is successful 
Hmm. Uh, Jeff were... Bezos. Successful, right? Like that dude's yeah. successful probably. Bill Gates. Right? Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who else? I'm like... Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. What else? These are just all a bunch of people who like make a, mo- a no, lot of money be, and just, have a lot of influence. No, just... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go, go di- yeah. Go a different way. Yeah. <laughs> ooh. Ooh. Like what, what, who's, who are some successful people? Yeah. For some reason, I'm like thinking about... Jamie Oliver. I don't know okay. why. Maybe it's because Emma is sitting in this room. But uh, okay. yeah, I'm thinking more less less along those lines and more along like the the type of work and experience they have in the day to day. Yeah, like LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I would say he's a very successful person. Joe Biden's probably successful Fair. because he's like a president, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's yeah. that's something. Are you defining success? Well, that we're gonna oh, get to that. Oh, I no, just, yeah, I just yeah. Wanted, yeah. Let's just let's just yeah. throw some names around. Okay. Oh man. Um, it can't be that hard to identify. Oh, um, the Rock is a successful. Oh, yeah. the Rock. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that struck a chord. Love the Rock. I'm on. I'm on. Yeah. We can talk about the Rock later. I'm yeah. a fan. Uh, Stanley. Mm. Stanley. Stanley. Mm-hmm. I think you said Stanley. I'm like Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Stanley down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stanley. Yeah. Well, he was successful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. One more, Jordan. Give me one more. Um, one Take it back more. home. Someone from back home that's oh. like successful that we would all know. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, there successful. we go. So mm-hmm. why are we saying all these people are successful? What's the theme? I think we're pulling out like, you know, money. Yeah. Fame. Like they've built something, yeah. right? They could, you know, Jeff Bezos could be incredibly unhappy. Yeah. But maybe he's defining success as, as you know, money, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're defining success for them, right? We don't know if they're successful yeah. right I, I look at it a different way i think what everyone has in common that we all just said the names that we just said is they got to a place maybe excluding joe biden i don't know enough about that guy but they're all at a place where they can do whatever the fuck they want right mm. they can do whatever they want right so it's like whatever whatever fulfills these people they can probably you know uh if they change their mind tomorrow they can go and do that thing you know what i mean so I don't know. When I think of success, and I think that uh, I think it, I think it goes across the board. I think everyone's definition of success is very similar to this, but it's it's someone that is secure in what they're doing, and they have the they're not like they're not they're not like attached to this thing where it's like if I stop doing this thing, my life is over. Like they have options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like they've they've and maybe it's because they've put in the work. And they've made enough money where now that allows them to have options. But when I think of a successful person, I'm like, that person isn't like tied to anything really, right? Like they've done enough in their life, whatever the hell that means, to get to a point where they can actually make any kind of decision that they want. And I know I'm like guessing because I have no idea what the hell Nicole Kidman is doing today. But um, (laughs) She might be, you know, have a contract where she has to... Full, you know, do, yeah, do yeah, who yeah. knows, who yeah, knows. Yeah, but, but I just think of all these people and I'm like, man, if, uh, well, Bezos, it's like if Bezos wants to do, you know, if Bezos wants to quit being the CEO of Amazon and going, and he wants to go to space tomorrow, he could do it. Well, he fucking did it, right? Yeah. Like those, those people aren't like really tied to anything. They've, they've done enough in their lives where they're just like, yeah, I can, I can pivot if I want to. I don't know. That's, that's what I think about. I think that's where. I think of like freedom, like freedom mm-hmm. and success and all that. That might be bias in my own head. Um, Biden keeps throwing me off on that. I should yeah. have brought him up because yeah. he's ruining my yeah. argument. But. I just, I mean, you never know what's going on inside those people's heads, right? And like what the inner turmoil is, what the like self-imposed pressures are. I remember looking at like my dream job and I said, 
you know, Jamie Oliver, like kind of like food, travel, TV presenter, like something to do with, with that. So Anthony Bourdain to me was like, he had the dream job. Like he had the dream life, that guy. <laughs> and then he k- killed himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just like, you never know. It, it could appear that someone has this like incredible freedom and opportunity and they can do whatever the hell they want. But to them in that moment, there's no other option than what they're doing or, you know, some other exit route out. So. Yeah, which brings us to our next point, right? It depends. Like yeah. that's our perception of all these people. Well, I gave my perception. But I think that's like uh, if we were to go down the line and we're like, what are the synergies between all the people we decide? We would come up with one thing, but we would be wrong. You know what I mean? It's like their success is their success, right? So it's like each one of them have a different version of that. You know what I mean? So I think that's really important to think about. Um, you know, someone might look like they're successful and someone might spend, another person might spend a lot of time trying to emulate that person and like bowing down to that person and being like, they're good. Their lives are perfect. And then you open up the, the news tomorrow and you're like, oh my God, that person committed suicide. They probably weren't that happy with the, the Bourdain thing. Yeah. So I think that's important is everyone has to understand what success really means to them. Like no one's ever going to be happy if they don't understand what they want to do and what will make them, what they think will make them happy. Yeah. What's your version of success? Yeah. Brandon? I'm just, just thinking and, and just listening to you guys. These, these are all kind of like, they're all at the top of the you know hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. They've got security. They've got those, all those things in place. And I've heard this before, you know, you, the job, the schedule or the money you can pick two right you Mm -hmm. can have the job and the schedule but you can't have the money so on and so forth right but it's kind of they have all three they can they can manage that and then you know their security is met their emotional needs are met like everything is met and then they have the ability to pursue what they want so yeah that's no i mean you just you just enlightened me a little on on success but like yeah that's that's what i would you know i can i have time to make memes yeah, for, mm-hmm. you know, about OPEX. <laughs> I have time. I find it restorative to me to make fun mm-hmm. of people within OPEX, you know, and yeah, enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you guys hear the, um, there was a, and now we're just, I'm just kind of ranting, sorry. Um, there was a, uh, there's like a top level executive from Goldman Sachs. It was a couple of weeks ago. She like put out this, this, uh, this statement of like how they recruit um, investment bankers and what it takes to be a successful investment banker. And I think where she was coming from was the uh, 10,000 hour thing where she's like, they need to get this much experience. But she's like, we need to expedite that now. So she's like, to be a successful investment banker, you actually need to work, I think it was 80 or 90 hours a week. Like that's like, you, you have to do that to step in the door here now. Because investment banking, that's a that's a very, very competitive environment. Like if you're not bringing in, you know, your X amount of, of uh, billion dollar quota per quarter, you're, you're out of there really quickly. Upside is huge. They like successful investment bakers make a lot of money. What are your guys' thoughts on a top level executive saying like, don't even think about being successful in this world. But she was kind of saying like in any world, if you're not willing to put in the, the work uh, and, and, and get your uh, get your hands dirty the first five years of being in that thing. And her, her thing was like, kids coming out of college, they need to be ready to work 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week to be successful. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Oh, I think kids coming out of college don't always even really know what they want. And they, money, 
money, money, right? That money is the priority and that's what they see and that's what they want. And this, I don't even know if it's always really much further than that. Yeah. And then they choose that and they choose that direction and then they get there and they're like, oh, this is not where I wanted to be, right? Or maybe it is. It affords them the, the luxury to, you know, do the things they want, you know, um, yeah, what do you think, Georgia? I mean, that was my perception of the workforce uh, leaving uni. I uh, I wanted to go into law. I didn't university or college? University, sorry. Translation. Uni. <laughs> Look at me. Um, I wanted to go into law. I did an internship at a law practice, uh, like in Sydney. And I remember some of the people telling me, you know, they're t- there till 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight working. And then they're back there at like 6, 7 the next day. And so I... That was what I thought my 20s were going to be like. And I was okay with that at that point. I sit, you know, here now at the tail end of my 20s looking back on them and thinking, thank God I didn't go down that route because uh, I probably would be pretty unhealthy, pretty burnt out. Um, but I also might be making a lot more money. So uh, there, there is, you know, that side of things there. I do think as a society, we need to look at the quality of work we're putting out and some can someone actually be efficient working 80 to 90 hours a week? Are companies getting the best out of their employees if they're asking them to do that? Maybe. I mean, maybe. They may be sucking them completely dry so that they're hopeless for the next 10 years after, though, as well. So I don't know the answer because it's like, can a human actually be an effective worker for that period of time uh, and then through the rest of their life? Or would it a more moderate approach. You know, we talk about sustainability in the gym just to connect it to something that that we know. Uh, We talk about, you know, it may take a longer time to get results. If you start off, you know, with a sustainable approach to fitness, you're not going to get as fit quick as someone who comes in and goes hot and hard uh, and super intense. But that person's going to burn out after a couple of years (laughs) and you're going to continue to see results for the long term. So I think we do want to think about people's professional careers and their uh, their effectiveness and efficiency over their lifetime. And if they're, you know, in it hard for those first five years, number one, is the quality of work in those five years actually great? Or is there a bunch of dead time in there that's actually being wasted because they're exhausted? And then... At a company like this, no dead time. Yeah, these, yeah. 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 There's so much pressure in that world where if you're not, if you're not, if you're not uh, delivering, those results like you're you're gone right yeah. so I, I get it from that standpoint because it isn't like i'm gonna clock in and i'm gonna like look at facebook and i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and like you look at like you know your your screen time at the end of your work day like those people are working like 14 hours yeah. and it's like well you spend eight hours on facebook like the in that world they're not doing that yeah um so i, I but i do agree it's like you do have to look at the quality of work and what's happening there um but hey that might be someone's version of success right like going in and just absolutely crushing it for five years to afford them the opportunity to kind of coast a little bit after that or get get into a position where they can coast a little bit and not, you know, work their hands to the knuckles and stuff like that. For sure. Industry um, is a good show uh, on, on that topic. I think it was on HBO, but it's about some like young investment bankers in London. Uh, like entering the workforce and it's brutal, yeah. <laughs> like absolutely brutal. So I would recommend industry. Awesome. For anyone that has HBO. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you think about it? You You pose the question. Um. Gosh. Yeah. I don't. I don't have any hard feel or uh, like. I'm. I'm not steadfast that much on on either side. Um. For me, I would. I. I. I have strong feelings for myself personally, but. I think it just depends on what the industry is, um, and what you have to do to be successful in that industry. Uh, investment banking is such a 
polarized industry in terms of like what you have to do, how hard you have to work, the competition, uh, especially when you're talking about, uh, you know, a company like Goldman Sachs, it's like you have a better chance of getting into Harvard than getting hired on as an investment banker there, right? So I think it just depends, right? If we're, if we're talking about, um, you know, doing something that needs to be sustainable, right? Like let's say, you know, being an entrepreneur and like, you know, having the fulfillment and waking up excited every day, it's like, that's probably not a great approach to that. Like putting in 90 hours a week because you, that excitement is probably going to fizzle eventually, not because you don't enjoy doing the work, but you're just not enjoying life, right? So I do think there has to be balance in some places and in some in industries, but it depends on, on the place or the industry. Hedge a little bit, but yeah, it, it depends. It depends on what, what the person's doing. Do you, do you think somebody that loves investment banking, they just love it every day, they get, mm, it's so delicious, and they, and they work 90 hours, and they just love every second of it, do you think there's any kind of balance that can be created there? Um, balance. I guess we'd have to define balance. Yeah, balance, I guess, without getting churned out of the back end. Uh, being... Yeah, I think someone can be extremely unbalanced for a long period of time and still be engaged. Okay. If that person is looking for balance, I don't think they could do it. But that yeah. person that you just described is probably not looking for balance. That person's looking to fucking like win, right? Yeah. Like they're yeah. they're waking up and they're excited. They don't care that they got four hours of sleep last night. Yeah, like they're rolling. They're looking at their balance sheet at the end of every day, every week, every month, and they're just like that gets them going. Yeah. So yeah, I think that person isn't looking for balance. But if a person in that industry is looking for balance, I think they'll fizzle out very quickly. Okay. Yeah, just because I don't think they'd be successful. I have one last question for you, Brandon. So uh, we've kind of joked about your meme making uh, mm. a few times on this podcast. And for those that have not seen Brandon's memes before, you should follow him on Instagram for sure because he puts hilarious content out. What's your handle? At Coach Brandon Wilton. There we go. Give him a follow. But um, humor, you, you use sense of humor a lot. Has that always been something that you've kind of fallen back on to communicate with or where did where did that come from yeah it's kind of my love language i guess humor and i was always a, actually an introvert you know this is terrifying right now being on a podcast right now to me i'm just terrified inside sorry and for scaring I'm just, you I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no but 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 really i think that's that's how i always just kind of learned to connect growing up was through humor and uh i enjoy it i enjoy like putting my thoughts and ideas out through humor i think i can uh it's a good way for me to put things out rather than, you know, Instagram, you know, throwing a, you know, putting my butt on Instagram and you, you do know, that. Sometimes. I I've do that, that sometimes, I've seen that but I do times. it through humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Every joke has uh there's, there's like, there's truth behind every joke. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there is. The truth in that is that you want to show your ass on Instagram. You're just looking for the correct avenue. To do <laughs> I might, so. I might. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Anything yeah. you want to finish with, Carl? Uh, no, I think that's it. Thanks, All Brandon. Right. We yeah. appreciate you. Uh, Thank you. Thank man. you for having me. Great yeah, to have everybody. you here. Yeah. Um, if people want to find you, let's say someone is in the South Bend area and they're looking for an amazing gym to go and join, uh, throw out your info. Yeah, go to CrossFitSouthBend.com. You can you can go there. You can uh, DM me, slide into my DMs at, at Coach Brandon Wilton, and I can take care of you there as well. Get too. some of those butt pics. Yeah, get some of those butt pics. I know auto replies with them. 
And uh, Brandon has some awesome content uh, coming your guys' way later on this year. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, He's sharing some of the tips he's learned, you know, around efficiency and time management over the years with coaches. Uh, Again, some really practical, hands-on, tangible advice. So uh, we're filming that later in the week and uh, excited for that to come to life. So stay tuned, guys. Quick little reminder, if you are a CCP coach, uh, Coaches Summit tickets are on sale. So please make sure you go ahead and buy your pass. We'll pop a link to uh, that summit in the description below. And as always, like and subscribe. Uh, What is it? Smash that like button. Gosh, I forgot the things. The like came this. Remember last week I had something. Yeah, like, review, subscribe. You had little hand actions yeah, to go with yeah, them. I forgot that. Yeah, well, we appreciate it, Do guys. Give Do us some love. We, we like it. Uh, Brandon, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah. 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 Thanks, guys. Yes. See ya.